Good morning, City Hill. Great to see everybody this morning. Yeah, when we did that party with the girls, we thought it was pretty funny. They came over in formals and we had pizza and newspapers and t white t-shirts on. They didn't really think it's quite as funny as we did. They were still in therapy over the years, but um, sometimes jokes work well, sometimes not so well. But uh, I would not recommend that for anybody, actually. So happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Who's got green on this morning? All right, we have some Irish honorers here. So welcome to church on St. Patrick's Day. You know, my uh, daughter, my granddaughter, Emma, is on the way. Praise the Lord. We don't know exactly when, but we are going to be in Amsterdam end of next week and excited to welcome in our third granddaughter. And you know, there's things that happen in life that don't listen to your schedule. They don't plan accordingly. It's like babies. They come when they want, right? And they, you know, having babies is painful. It's messy. Not that I know personally, but I've been there. I've been there with Janet as we walk through the birth of our sons. And whether we like it or not, we're getting ready and we do like it. Emma's a coming. Spring's a coming. How many of you notice that it's getting a little spring-like? Um, Jim Miller, where are you? You got shorts on yet? Not yet. All right, that'll, that'll come. You watch. Um, spring's a coming. In my home, we stepped out of bed the other day. And it's a, you step out of bed in the morning, and we got a squish that the, the floor had water had come in from somewhere. That's not the sound you want to hear when you step out of your bed, that, that soggy, squishy carpeting sound. And we spent the day shoveling our garden. Who shovels a garden? You shovel gardens when it starts to flood with water. Our, our drain spouts hadn't drained quite right. The downspout was frozen, so the water drained in other places, which flooded the garden, which drained down into our lower level bedroom. All part of a, a day's work in Minnesota, right? And so, uh, praise the Lord, we got that fixed. We took the drain spout, put it in the shower. Of course, everybody puts their drain spout in the shower. Got the ice out of it, got it all cleared up. And now, when the water drains, it flows where it's supposed to flow. And our bedroom is now dry again, praise the Lord. Just reminding me, springs are coming, whether I want it to or not. The snow's going to melt. We know that there will be green golf courses. Praise the Lord. The trees will be budding. Springs are coming. And our job was to put things in order so that that melting snow could flow where it needs to flow. Made me think of our life in Christ. The Lord has new things for us today. He's got new life, new joy, new ways. There's a there's a flow of the Spirit that God wants to do in you, but we have to position ourselves, don't we? Sometimes the Lord can do something and can pass right over our heads because we're not ready to receive what God has for us. So my challenge for us today and this week is let's be ready for what God wants to do. Let's not miss it. Not, let's not have the person beside us get it. Let's receive the flow of the Spirit that He has for us. And sometimes that means we got to 
thaw out the ice or the dirt. We've got to clean out the sin. We've got to get ourselves positioned so we can receive all that God has for us today. So tell somebody beside you, God has new life for you. Amen? God's got new life for you and for me. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would do a new work in me today, in us today. Father, we position ourselves. We don't want to miss any. Father, we position ourselves to receive the work of your spirit, what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Strategic discipleship. My heart, my prayer is that this year you would become more than ever, whatever level you're at, that you'd become more than ever a disciple of Jesus Christ. That you'd be more of a disciple than you were when this year started. See, disciples of Jesus, one thing they know is they know how to pray. They know how to talk to God. They commune with the Father. It's not just something they do, not just a philosophy they believe in, but they pray to their God. They have a relationship with him. And a disciple, you know, in the, in the Bible times, they'd walk with their rabbi. They'd walk with him. They'd eat with him. They'd all sleep in similar areas. They would get to know each other. You know, I, a pastor of mine in California, Jack Hayford, he had a couple little funny things he'd do when he'd preach. He'd always kind of talk and, and he'd pull up on his pants and he'd kind of have this little sniff thing. And then you'd watch people, the young bucks would come and hang out with him. Before you know it, they'd practice preaching. You'd see them, they'd be pulling up on their belt and they'd kind of give a little something. Like, come on now, you can be a follower of this guy without the sniff, without the little hitch. But they, they, they followed, they loved this guy. Whatever he did, they were disciples of Jack Hayford. We're not looking for those kind of disciples. We are looking at those who embody the life of Christ more and more each day. And the disciples watched Christ pray. And they must have just watched from a distance or maybe kind of snuck in close. And they'd, they realized he prayed differently. And they'd say, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn how you pray. It's not just that formal Pharisee prayer, but you actually are talking to the Father. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. That was our teaching last week. And my heart is that we would take the gospel into our own homes like never before. And that your house, wherever your bed is, you can picture your bed. I imagine all of us have a bed that we sleep in. Wherever that is, that's your home, that that home would be a place of prayer, that you'd be able to say, like the scriptures say, my house will be called a house of prayer. Why not? Why wouldn't your house be a house of prayer? And there's so many different ways that we can do that. We can make prayer lists and we can stick them on the wall or have them in our Bible. We can pray through the rooms, pray through the bedroom, pray through the living room, pray through the kitchen. Just anoint your house and say, this house is dedicated to the Lord. This is his place. He's loaned it to me, but this is the Lord's house. You can, before you eat a meal, thank the Lord for the food. Before you walk out the door, say, people are visiting, say, hey, let's just uh, say a word of prayer for you before you go on your way. 
Just bathe your house, your lives, in prayer. One of the things I like most of all is praying a blessing over the people in your home. Pray, those of you who have children, those of you who are parents, pray a blessing. My favorite is Numbers 623. Just before the night ends, just put a hand on your kid. Say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bless their lives. It makes a difference. I believe it's not simply that they feel warm and fuzzy, but I believe it's a blessing of God imparted as we bless our children. Make your house a house of prayer. We had a sign by our door that said, the family that prays together stays together. We know our families need help. We know there's an attack to divide and destroy and, and harm and bring hurt into our homes. Let's make our homes places of prayer. Today, my message is that God would teach us to praise. That God would make us a people of praise. You know, sometimes life doesn't make a lot of sense to me. As a Christian, as someone that knows that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, that God is all-loving, and then I see the pain. You with me? And you struggle. This question's been asked for centuries. If God is loving and all-powerful, then why then why is the world as it is? I was looking at the horrific attack on the mosque in New Zealand this last Friday. Horrible. Following the conflict, the ugly conflict in Venezuela, the nation's just imploding. People are fleeing for their lives, hungry. A nation that was prosperous is falling apart. We look at the refugee crisis in Syria. We see the pain. I can't even imagine just having a back that's everything I own, having children, not knowing how to feed them, where they're going to stay, fleeing, because fleeing is better than staying. All those things are hard to understand, but they aren't as hard as when the pain hits home. It's one thing that there's a problem in Syria, but that just seems like a whole different world to me. But what happens when the pain is right in our homes? And I'm talking to a Christian group this morning. I'm talking about the pain that's in our home as followers of Christ. When it gets up close and personal. And I know there are people here this morning. And you're walking through pain. And in your mind, you look around at all these beautiful people. And you say, you know, I'm the only one. They're all doing great. They're all smiling and laughing and hugging. And how come I'm the only one that's got this garbage in my life? And if we were really honest, and we're not going to do it right now, you know, those of you who feel that way, and there'd be a whole lot of people who would stand up and say, I thought I was the one walking through a hard time. There's lots of us. I had um, one of the ministers that came through and ministered to a bunch of people here. He came to me and he said, you have a wonderful church. 
But man, there's a lot of pain there too. I guess he just counseled with some people, prayed with some people, and he realized that in our seeking God, we're still not immune from the pain of the world. There's conflict in homes, there's stress in jobs, there's employment challenges, there's people who are sick and struggling, physically hurting. And you know, we start to wonder sometimes, because we follow Jesus, we start to wonder, if you're like me, there's times where you pray and don't see the answer. I believe in a God that heals. I believe in a God that provides. And I've seen him do it over and over and over again. And then we pray and it doesn't happen. And we struggle. And, and we, we start to wonder, is God really hearing me? I remember one of my sons was praying, praying, praying for something, praying for provision. And God spoke to him, and the answer wasn't, here's where the provision is. What God spoke to him is, I see you. Interesting. He was like, where do I get the money? And God said, I see you. And it changed everything for him. He's like, okay, if God sees me, then I'm fine. Because God sees me. But sometimes we don't hear that word well and we go does God really see me I know he sees the world and all the kids and but does he see does God see me and you pray and you don't see the answer and sometimes it shakes us sometimes it shakes us down to the core you know I was so as I was preparing this message it was funny what happened this week I was preparing the message and a song came back to me, a song that I heard a guy on the ships. Now, I got a picture how long ago I was on the ships. We lived on a ship, and this guy came through and ministered a song, and this song popped back into my head this week. And I could still remember the melody and some of the words, but I couldn't remember all the words, so I, I stalked this guy on Facebook. I found this guy. I've not talked to him in 30 years. I thought I remembered his name, and I found him in Oklahoma. And I wrote to him, and I said, Bob, Kent Norell, remember me? Ships Day? Oh, yeah. I said, give me the words to the song. He goes, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I said, dude, you wrote the song. He goes, yeah, you know, I, how do you remember that song? I'm like, and he said, well, so we talked a little bit. We, we Facebooked back and forth this week. And then he said, well, you're just going to have to fill in the blanks. So I did. And I'm going to step out. I don't actually want to sing this song for you this morning with Janet. Janet, come on up. And this song is written by Bob Miller and Kent Norell. <laughs> so it's kind of nice, the song. It gets to say what I really wanted to say, and I don't have to, I didn't infringe on anybody's royalties or anything. Um, but the song speaks to that pain. It speaks to, as Christians, when we're hurting and we want to quit. Anybody ever want to quit? You just say, I, whatever, I don't know what that means, but you just go, I quit. You don't even, you, maybe you don't know what it means, but that's what this song's about, and we're going to try it. Yes, the words would be helpful.
Sometimes I must admit I only want to quit Like a candle in the darkness Whose flame once was lit The hope that seems so distant Joy and sadness fade away I want to be like silver but I know I'm only clay. I will go on with a song of praise to my King, knowing He is worthy and Lord of everything. I will go on with a song of praise to my King. Help of the helpless, Lord of everything, I will go on. I will go on with a song of praise to my King, knowing He is worthy, Lord of everything, I will go on with a song of praise to my King, hope of the hopeless, Lord of everything, I will go on. So I like that song because it's saying, Sometimes I must admit I, I only want to quit. I heard someone say that to me this week. I quit. I'm done. I'm, it's over. I'm done. I don't know what that means. But it's just I want life to change. And this current situation is just too much for me. And I think that same song in some ways was written by David back in Psalm 13. I want to look at Psalm 13 this morning. It's a psalm I haven't really seen as clear as right now. It's a song of David. Picture David, the shepherd boy. I can picture him out there in the fields with his sling, singing songs, probably bored out on the hillside, looking up at the stars, practicing throwing rocks and singing songs. David, the anointed king, which was not an easy thing. When you're anointed king and somebody else and their family is the king, and you're anointed to be the next king, that's not all good times. Then you have David, the fugitive. David, the musician. But David, the fugitive, who's hiding out in caves, fleeing for his life, wondering, where is that anointing? while I'm hiding in caves and looking for food and trying to not die. Then you have David, who becomes the king of Israel, conflict in his home, wars. Then you have David, the man that has fallen into sin with Bathsheba. David, the murderer. And in all of that, you have David, the man after God's own heart. I love that. With all of that, 
God still goes, that's my man. And that gives me hope. That says when I try to disqualify myself because of this, it's like, nope. David, man after God's own heart. And somewhere in this whole life, David wrote Psalm 13. The experts say that uh, they don't really know when this psalm was written. So somewhere in this life of David, he writes Psalm 13. What's clear is that David was at a breaking point. He'd had enough. He'd been praying and praying and praying, and God had not been answering his prayers. And David cries out four times in Psalm 13, How long? How long? How long is this going to take? When will you come to my aid? How long, O oh God? You know, when you're having a good time, life flies by, right? It's 2 a.m. and you go, whoa, where'd the time go? You're playing cards, you're having fun, there's a party. And it's like, woo, time flies when you're having fun. But when you're in pain, it's like somebody slowed the clock down. Tick. Tick. It's like, how can time go so slow? I was playing some basketball with the elders. We had some fun in the retreat. We were playing basketball. I've not played that kind of basketball for at least a decade. And I was like, 35 minutes, there's still more time in this hour? Oh, wow, is that time moving slow? It's like that was a long hour of playing ball. Um, when you're in pain, time moves really slow. And David was in pain and he's saying, how long, oh Lord? How long is this going to go on? When will you come to my aid? What was really clear in Psalm 13, I'll read verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Let me just say, David was honest with God. He wasn't afraid of God being offended. He wasn't afraid of God being angry or judgmental. He just poured out his heart before the Lord. And he's saying, not only is this hard for me, but my enemy is winning this battle. Your enemy is winning. And David poured out his soul before the Lord. I think the Jews got this pretty well. If I understand things right, that's part of the wailing wall in Israel. The wailing wall. Sounds like a wall where you wail, where you pour out your heart and pain and put your prayer requests and you, you express your soul before the Lord. And David did that well. And I would challenge you in the pain and whatever you're walking through, Pour out your heart. Don't turn away from God. Don't shut down. Pour out your heart to the Lord. So say with me, pour out. Verses 1 and 2, David poured out. Then David cried out once again to the Lord. Verses 3 and 4, he turned to the Lord and he asks him one more time. And you know, that's hard when you've been praying. 
Uh, some of the people here in church, there's some people who walk through long-term sicknesses and they hurt and it's not changing. And the prayer request comes forward and you know what, we need to pray again. And you might say, but we've done that, Pastor. We've prayed 87 times, yes, and we're going to pray 88 and 89. And we're going to keep on. But, and you get disappointed. And after a while, you kind of say, well, if God's going to heal, he's going to heal. I hear that, but I believe that we're called to once again pray to the Lord. Once again turn back to him. And David did this. Consider and answer me. Verse 3, O Lord my God, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. What's David saying? Hey, I'm going to die. Come on, you gotta, you got to help me or I'm going to die. Verse 4, lest my enemy says I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David saying, God, save me. He's turning to the Lord for salvation. And I think so often we turn other places. We try it a couple times, God, that doesn't work. And so we say, well, now it's up to me. It's up to me to make my own way. It's up to me to do it. And there are things God will ask of us. But our salvation is in God. And David got that right. He turned back to the Lord and says, Lord, save me. So David, the second thing, he prayed up. He poured out and then he prayed up. He looked and lifted his eyes to the Lord. And then David declares what he knows to be true although he is not experiencing it. I want to say that again. He, pray, he decided to praise the Lord even though he was not at that moment experiencing the deliverance. I think when I was looking at that, I thought that's, it's a one, two, three punch. He poured out his heart. He asked God one more time. He poured out. He prayed up. And then he praised God. He said, I remember things you've done for me. I remember how faithful. I declare your goodness, your faithfulness, your love for me. He declared what is true. I think that's different than some of the teachings we've heard in other contexts, I think, which we would call the name it, claim it, which would say, I'm, God has um, given me a new airplane. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with having an airplane. But to claim it, and you claim it, and you claim this much money, and you claim this car, and you claim this house, I don't think that's really what the Scripture is talking about. I think it's a matter of saying, I'm declaring who God is. I'm declaring his goodness, and I'm going to worship him in the middle of my storm. And I think this is a step up in discipleship. I think this is a different level of walking with the Lord where in the middle of your problem, and your problem may not be physical pain, it may be a family pain or some other kind of issue that you're wrestling with, something you're carrying, and God wants to teach us how to praise him right in the middle of the storm. You know, and folks, this is spiritual warfare. You know, there's different aspects, many different aspects of spiritual warfare. An area that we tend to think of traditionally as spiritual warfare is taking authority over demonic forces. 
And that is spiritual warfare, and that is a very good thing to do. But that's not all of it. There is also the, when you're bitter or hurt, and you choose to forgive. You know, when you're bitter and hurt, you don't feel like forgiving, right? You don't feel like it. You feel like going a different direction with bitterness and anger and revenge and hurt, and you choose to forgive. That's spiritual warfare. You're breaking the bonds and the powers of the enemy in your life. Or when you want to curse somebody and you bring the Lord into the situation, you choose to bless rather than curse. That's spiritual warfare. And when you're in pain, when you're struggling, when you're hurting in whatever area you fill in the blank, and you choose to worship the Lord in the middle of that situation, God is glorified, and there, there can be victory in your life as we choose to do that. Because, folks, that goes directly against our emotions. Now, some people would say, while well, you're being fake. This is not fake. It is not fake to say, go back to Psalm 13, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. This is killing me. I want to quit. It's very real. And then to take that and say, I'm going to take this, Lord, and I'm going to look to you. I'm asking you for your provision, for your answer. And right over the top of my pain, I'm going to worship the Lord. Are you with me? I believe that there is a breaking of the power of the enemy when we worship in the middle of our pain. There's no question. There are weapons. There are plans to destroy you in this world. There are plans. They may look like people, but they aren't people. They're the, the, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So there are powers. There's a plan for your destruction. And God has a plan for your victory, for your life, for your fulfillment in this world. And I believe that this is one of the keys that we learn, that when we're hurting to stop and say, I choose. Bobby had that word today. We choose to worship the Lord when we come here, even when we don't feel like it sometimes. It's probably spiritual warfare, just the fact that you got in your car and you came to church this morning. There may be some people saying, yeah, I didn't really want to do that either. Um, but there's spiritual warfare in obeying God, not ignoring our emotions. Sometimes I think we should say, you know, just forget about your emotions. I think it's, that's not healthy. I think it's good to say, you know what, this is where my emotions are, and this is what I choose as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we need to surround our house our lives, our worlds with praise. You can make choices. It may be in the days when you're good, when you're feeling like praising. Well, that's a great time to surround your house. And then when you're not feeling like it, well, it's there. You know, put notes up in your bathroom. Put something in your car. Put your music. Put your ringtone on your phone. Figure out how to do it, but surround your life with praises to God because as we do that, God changes things inside of us. As we do that, we open ourselves to God's work in our life rather than simply being carried along by the day and the circumstances and our emotions. 
So what I want to do in closing, I want to have a time of ministry as a church. Um, Bobby, come on up. And what I want you to do is open up your bulletin. It's a fairly straightforward message today. And I want you to open your bulletin, and there's a card here. And ushers, if there, if you, anybody lacking a card or a pen, just raise your hand. Our ushers will help you with that. And I want to take this last time and not pass up the opportunity for the ministry that you need this morning. And on the back of this card, this is just between you and the Lord, I want you to write the pain that you're carrying. If you want to put it in code, you want to put an initial, I don't care, just write it out. If you're sick, if you're hurting, if there's a pain in your, that you're walking through, maybe the loss, we had an uncle of Janet who passed away just a couple days ago up in Idaho. He knew the Lord, praise the Lord, but there's just, you recognize there's just family hurt, loss of somebody we really loved. I don't know what your challenge is. I don't know if it's a mental health issue. I don't know if it's a financial issue. I do know there's a lot of people with, that carry great need and great pain through their days. And I want to just challenge you to write it down on the back of this card. And then what we're going to do, we're going to all stand in a moment. Just go ahead and just be writing. And then I want us to come to the cross and just place those before the cross. I don't know any better way to symbolize it. And when you place that, you're, you're pouring out your heart before the Lord. You're, you're giving this to him, not hiding it. You're bringing it to him. And then I'm just going to encourage us. We're just going to end up congregating over in this area. Don't go back to your seat. Lay it in the basket. Make a little room there. We've kind of cleared a little extra area this morning. I just want the church, want us to gather in this area, and we're just going to have some time of worship. We're going to close with a time of worship as we bring our petitions, our challenges, our hurts to the Lord, and believe that we can follow the model laid out for us in Psalm 13, to pour out to pray up, and then we're going to praise the Lord. Okay, so let's all stand. And as you have your card, something you want to give to the Lord, we're not putting any names on this. Just go ahead and come on up, and we're going to congregate. Make a little room for people to get through behind you, okay? Praise you, Jesus.